0: Welcome, we're so glad you could join us here at Element City Church. Bye kids, bye. I love that we bring kids in here, just FYI. So we are in week four of our friendship series. My name is Kimberly Lee, and I am the director of eGroups here at Element City Church. Last week, Jack talked about yielding. If we yield our spirits to Jesus, then that helps create harmony in our friendships. He also talked the first week about empathy. Empathy is the ability to feel with one another and how that's an important building block of healthy friendships. Alisa, she talked about always. Friend, a friend is always with you. They don't let you walk alone. And that's where we're... T- so tonight, we're kind of going to the other side of friendship. The, the, the dark side, if you will. Because it's the less feel-good stuff, because in reality, friends fight. Yep, friends fight. Some of you are sitting here going, yes. To be honest, when we were in the team meeting and we were going over who was gonna teach what and how this was gonna be divided up, my first thought was, no, no, I don't want, I'll take any of one conflict. I don't want that one, I don't want the friends fight. Oh, please, I hope they don't say that's the one I'm gonna get that's the one that I got. And so I knew that if I was going to teach on it, that God wanted me to learn more about it deeply. I didn't know how deeply, but he he did. And to be real, this last month has been hard. It's been really hard. Conflicts, left and right, irritations, many arguments, big arguments. People going after my character, people talking about me, going after how I'm a mom or not a good mom, my very person. And I need you guys to hear me. I have struggled living this out the past few weeks. I have struggled. I've cried, I've gotten mad, I've isolated, I've thrown a fit, I've tried to quit. I have done all of that. I told Brian I was never leaving the house again. He was like, okay, work is tomorrow. To say the least, I am not a conflict expert. In fact, I am just the opposite. I might have been explained, as if you'll see this picture up on the screen, that in conflict, this is what I am. Kind of like an avalanche, where I just get And then I do smooth out, because I love Jesus, so I eventually smooth out. But my first initial is like Or, that's how Brian calls me. But then this is more of how I see myself. <laughs> Just a crazy screaming lady on fire. That's how I see myself in conflict. And this is, this is Brian in our home most of the time. <laughs> do, 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 do. Every once in a while he has a, but I mean, did you remember my pictures? So the easiest thing would have been was to let Brian or Jack do this sermon. That would have been what was the easiest. But I knew God had business to do with me on this specific topic. I don't have a how to guide. I don't have a, a new skill or technique to teach you guys tonight that's going to guarantee a quick fix or a fix it all. I, I don't. Because this is a deep heart issue, not a behavior to modify. This is a deep heart issue, not a behavior to modify. But what I will share are my struggles. My struggles and my deep pain through these last few weeks. And the lessons that God has taught me through his word, through his spirit, through worship, through his faithfulness, through grace, and to be honest, my desperation. And what I know, what I truly know, is that relationships matter to God. We were created for this. The Bible ranks relationships as one of the most important things ever. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, a Jewish religious expert asked Jesus, teacher, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And second is love your neighbor as yourself. You guys have heard that before, right? Love God, love others. The Bible thinks that these two relationships are obviously very, very important. But we all know that relationships are not perfect, are far, far from it. Even those that pretend to be, they just hide it a little better because there is nobody perfect. When you get two people together that are broken, sinners, It's messy, it's difficult, it can be very hard. So conflict is a given. Conflict is a given, it's part of every relationship. Think about when you were played in a sandbox as a little kid, you fought over toys. If, as a teenager, you fought with your parents, not my kids, right? No. Yes, but as a teenager, you fought with your parents or you fought with your friend over a boy or a girl. And as adults, you thought, oh, it would get easier. I keep telling my kids, conflict doesn't get easier when you grow up. It doesn't. You'd think that we would get better at it. But, you know, a coworker, you're rude to a coworker because he or she's on your last nerve, or they're rude to you because you are on their last nerve. Or you get in an argument with a family member because an unmet expectation, you didn't do something, they didn't do something. Are you go to bed angry with your spouse because of a miscommunication, or maybe something more serious? Conflict is a consequence of doing life together. So do we should we not? Sometimes we might feel that way. I see conflict like fire. I see it like fire. Fire's good. It is good. It's useful. It has many purposes. I mean, if you are toasting marshmallows for s'mores, oh my gosh, a fire, no, nobody likes toasty marshmallows. It's, I mean, you have to have fire. It's an amazing thing. But if you put your hand in a fire, what will happen? You get burned. And the longer you stay in the fire, the longer you will get burned. And if it gets out of control, we saw what it did in California. It destroys everything in its sight, anything around it. So can conflict. Conflict acts just like fire. It's useful, but if you stay in it too long, you get burned. And if if conflict gets out of control, it destroys everything around it. How many of you guys remember when you were little and the firefighters came to your school and they did, if you ever caught fire, they told you what were you supposed to do? Say it, Chloe. Yeah, stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. I think that's something that when we are in the middle of conflict or when conflict arises, we should stop, drop, and roll. Why, why, why should we stop? Well, if you remember those pictures, avalanches, nobody wants to be part of those. That crazy person on the screen, nobody wants to hang out with that person. Emotions run high in conflict. They're all over the place. You might be angry, furious. Think about raising up holy hands. Nope, just that one person, right? Your feelings might be hurt. It makes you want to lash out or put up your get your boxing gloves on and and be defensive fight back, gossip, slander, cause chaos because your your feelings are hurt. Or we want to run away. This is another tactic we do. We avoid conflict. We avoid it. We want to isolate, blame shift, deny, just walk the other way, postpone conflict. But if the Bible says that relationships are crucial, then God, who is an amazing God, He is a good God, He's going to definitely want us to have a biblical perspective over how we are supposed to see people, how we are supposed to view relationships, how we can relate to each other, and how we are supposed to deal with conflict in healthy ways. And the first thing we need to do is stop stop and go vertical before we go horizontal. What do I mean by that? The minute we get into an argument or something goes on, rarely do we go to God, we go this way. We go to our friends, our spouse, whoever will listen to us. And God is saying no. Church, I need you to go to me first. We have to stop all of the stuff I named previously. And we have to go back to what we know is true. How does God see conflict? So we're gonna be in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on your full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Against the spiritual evil and darkness in the heavenly realm. How does God want us to see conflict? This battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the enemy of lies and deceit. It is not against your teenager. It is not against your child. It is not against your spouse, your coworker, your friend, your church, your pastor, the person sitting next to you right now. Look at him and be like, I love you. It's not against them. Although it feels like it, doesn't it? Because a person can be very real and their words can be very hurtful. But in John 10, 10, it says, the thief has come to destroy and kill. That means your relationships. Part of that equation is your relationships. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is talking partly about your relationships the number one enemy is the devil it isn't a person that's the biblical view but oh and I need you to hear me oh I like to put it on a person it's so much easier every relationship has a spiritual component Every relationship has a spiritual component. That's why in Ephesians 6, he said, God said, the battle is going on in the heavenly realms. There's a battle going on right now for you, for your relationships. Any relationship that God puts together, any relationship that is spirit-filled, any relationship that is supposed to be for uplifting, encouraging, enjoying, walking alongside each other, Any relationship that is worth it, the enemy will try to destroy, and he will try hard. The closer any relationship gets you to Jesus, grows you to Jesus, the more it will be under attack. Let me say that again. The closer any relationship grows you towards Jesus, the more it will be under attack. The devil doesn't want you to stay together. He doesn't want your friendships to glorify God. He doesn't want you to be happily married. He doesn't want your relationship with your teenagers to glorify God. He doesn't want you to have any loving relationships because it goes against what he is trying to do in this world. Loving relationships, any of them that are good, shows God's grace and glory. And the enemy, I need you guys to hear this, is against that. He takes notice and he attacks. He starts getting into the very fiber, the DNA of each of those relationships. Normally it starts off small, usually. A joke gone sideways, doesn't go over well. Your feelings get hurt. We look, we are, we look um, underappreciated, overlooked, we lo- like we lost out on something, not valued. Sometimes it's betrayal, jealousy, greed, unmet expectations. Sometimes it's more serious. We get irritated, angry. We start stacking a case against that person. So we start looking at that person differently. We don't look at them like we did in the beginning. You forget why you fell in love. You forget why you loved hanging out with that person. You forget the beauty of that baby when they're sleeping. I love sleeping babies. We don't look at them through God's lenses, the way God sees them. We start filtering them through our own emotions and feelings. Church, this never goes well. Our feelings is not the way we're supposed to live our life. God and our truth and his word, that's the way we're supposed to live our life. Feelings can be very mature and they can be not trustworthy. So we avoid, we don't pursue the relationship or we start having side conversations, getting others on our side, making sure that the, their opinions, the way that they look at the person that offended us is different. So now not only have our is our lens off, Now, we're getting other people to see that person differently. When this happens, and we have all done it, the enemy wins. The enemy wins. He takes territory that is not supposed to be that way. He takes territory in your life, and in your heart, and in your relationships. In this book, The Peacemaker, Ken Sandy, a lawyer, writes, Conflict steals our time, energy, money, and opportunities for better things. Who does it ever. When Christians are fighting, our battles overshadow anything we try to tell the world about Jesus. Did you, anything we have to tell the world about Jesus is overshadowed because we can't even get along. If we can't get along as a church... Why on earth would anybody in the world want to listen to us? We have to stop this kind of thinking and behavior in its tracks. We have to stop it. The next part of that is drop. Stop, drop. We cannot deal with conflict by just trying to tweak our behavior. I'm going to try real hard, and this is why I know this, because I tried for the past five weeks. In fact, I knew I was talking on this obviously tonight, and I had to pray all day to not like, get into it with my family all, all morning long. You can't just tweak the behavior. This is a heart transformation. We have to fight the enemy, we have to fight his lies, we have to fight our selfishness, we have to fight our, our own pride on our knees in prayer on our knees in prayer in 2 corinthians 10 second corinthians 10 2 through 5 these verses just whoa i beg you that when i come i may not have to be bold as i expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world for though we live in this world we do not wage war as the world does The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's be honest, we, we sometimes, many times, know what we're supposed to do. It's here and here, but we don't want to be obedient to it. How do we stop? Because this is a trust issue. We cannot wage war like the world. That's not Kimberly's great quote. This is strictly out of the Bible. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power lives in you can demolish strongholds in your life and the other person's life. Our thoughts have to be taken captive. We have to stop rehearsing our offense over and over and over again. We have to stop talking about it over and over and over again. And we have to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us by prayer. It is the most powerful weapon we have. But we don't go there first. We don't go there first, and we do damage when we don't. A couple of months ago, I caught a friend talking about me in a group. I heard it off the side. It was very clear. It wasn't my perception. It was very clear. So I did, I'm very mature so I didn't make the scene right then. I decided afterwards I was gonna go home and I made a list of all the things I was gonna talk to her about. And, and you know, I was gonna be kind and loving but I needed her to know my list and that she hurt my feelings and these are the reasons why. So I was praying about it and God said no. Nope, I don't want you to do that. Let this one go and I argued of course and said, "Um, did you see my list? This is a valid argument. I mean, I'm not gonna be mean, I just have to tell, I mean, I heard her talking about me, my feelings are really hurt. He said, no, I need you to let this go. Well then how will she know she did wrong? How will she know she hurt my feelings? Kimberly, let this go. I want you to look at her the way I see her. I want you to see the battle she's in right now that you don't even know about. I want you to see her hurt. I want you to fight with her, not against her. Put your feelings aside and pray for her. Let you know you love her. Is this fake? Is this superficial? Am I a hypocrite? God says, no, you were being obedient. And I need you to know, this was not like, oh, okay, God. I was upset. I felt like he really didn't look at my list. He wasn't taking my feelings into consideration. These were not nice things. And he said, obey. Obey. Put your feelings aside and fight with her against the enemy because she's in a battle right now. Church, we cannot fight our battles like the world. The world wants you to be right. The world wants you to prove a point. The world wants you to make sure that people know when you're upset. But we have to go to God first. If I would not have prayed about this, I could have destroyed her. She was vulnerable and I didn't even see it. I could have destroyed her. Because we have to go to God first and not others. We have to fight with the Holy Spirit in prayer. Be advocates for each other, not against each other. If we are against each other in this church, in our homes, in our families, then what do we have to offer the world? They're gonna be like, I I don't want anything you got. Jesus, oh no, mm mm-mm. So we need to stop those behaviors. We need to drop in prayer and unleash the Holy Spirit. And we need to roll. We need to move towards unity. Oh, this has been a tricky word that's been the monkey on my back for the past month. I've tried, I need you to know, I've tried to twist this word. I've tried to mean it in a different way. So we're just going to go to the scripture and see what he says to offer it. Because scripture offers us a clear hope for our relationships. And it's back in Ephesians. It's back in Ephesians. I've been in Ephesians for some time now. Ephesians 2, 13 through 19. Ephesians 2, 13 through 19. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. The two groups he's talking about is the Jews and the Gentiles. And I need you to know, the Jews and the Gentiles, they were not friends. They were the complete opposites. I mean, polar opposites. They had bad history between them. Like, really bad history. I mean, one was all about oppression and the Jewish people were God's chosen people. I mean, this was not a relationship that was just like, oh, now we get along. So these are the two groups he's talking about. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. by one spirit. Unity, putting Jews and Gentiles together, that happens only because of the cross. That happens only because of the cross. In scripture it says, the cross by which he put hostility to death. What do you think he meant by that? So I obviously have been asking that question for a few weeks, but you, but did you mean this, God? Yes, I meant that. But how about, you know, like this, God? Because this instance, hostility was called for. A righteous hostility. No, right? Nobody? Uh, right? I, I tried to get a righteous hostility through. No. He said because the cross, through the cross, he put death to hostility. Therefore, if we are constantly hostile, which I have been for the last month. I even went to the doctor. This is how desperate I've been. I even went to the doctor and tried to tell her that I was in menopause. I went and got my blood work. I went and got, I thought, I got a reason. I'm in menopause, honey, whew, it's hot in here. It actually is hot in here. And when the blood work came back and said, you're not, you guys, I was sad. I was sad, I got home and Brian said, What the doctor said, I'm not in menopause. My numbers look great, praise Jesus, but I'm not in menopause. So my hostility, my irritation, my fussiness is unrighteous and unholy because the cross put it to death. And if he can do that for Jews and Gentile, friend, he could do that for us. And then all the rest of it, it talks about peace, peace, peace. I teach it. I'm a, I'm a special ed teacher. I teach it in school. I teach it in my class. I teach it in my home. But when it comes to me, I don't, have a, I, I don't push peace all the time. A peaceful response is a healthy response where the goal is restoration and unity. The good of the relationship is more important than self-protection and being right because conflict that causes division will be like a wildfire burning out of control, destroying everything in its past of everything in its path. God spoke to me and said, you want to be a wildfire, Kimberly? You want to be responsible for burning up people along your way? But, 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 no. Mm -mm." I said, God, I don't want to be a fire. Then you need to stop. Stop this behavior. Drop Unleash prayer into your life, come to me first, and roll, move toward unity, restoration and peace. Because the health and maturity of a relationship is not measured by the absence of problems. It's not. If you never have a problem and you never argue, I'm just saying never. The maturity in relationships is handled by the way, is, is measured by the way we handle problems. It's the way we handle problems. So let's stop dealing with people in conflict in our own flesh. And remember, our number one enemy is who? The the devil. It is not a person. He, the enemy, likes to bring chaos and confusion and division. Anytime you're in the middle of that, give credit where credit's due. Give credit where credit's due and our own pride, and our own selfishness. Let's fight for people and not against them. We don't want to be a wildfire. And drop down in prayer. It's our most powerful weapon we have. Fight our battles with praise and hallelujahs. So I've been singing this song over and over again. And another song by Michael W. Smith, who I didn't even know was around anymore. And it said, when I feel surrounded, when I feel surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. And you know how I fight my battles? With praise. So I've been trying to do this. I'm letting you know I've been been really trying to do this. And every time something comes in, and you guys, it's often, I just say hallelujah, praise Jesus. And I don't mean to be in a creepy church lady kind of way. I'm talking about if I'm going to teach it, I better live it. And I've been trying, oh, praise God. I had one right before I came up on stage. Jesus wins. I will not let let the enemy have a foothold in my my relationship with anybody right now. I've got to believe that heaven is coming to fight my battles for me. and roll, move towards unity, a family who is restored, a church that is united against the enemy, a city of believers that come together and stand and say, not today, this city is Jesus's. That is a powerful testimony. That is a powerful testimony to who we serve. That is a powerful testimony to who we serve. During worship, we sung a song and said, raise your hallelujah, raise a hallelujah. And my question to you is, was that just a song you sung? I'm just gonna go over some of the words. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. That means in their presence. I mean, they could be yelling at you and, you know, Praise, raise a hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm gonna try that with my, with my kids the other day, hallelujah. You're fussy with me, hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah, hallelujah. Is it louder than your unbelief? Is your worship to Jesus louder than all those thoughts in your head that you say, I, it can't, it can't be done, it doesn't work. My weapon is my melody, it's our voice, it's our worship. Heaven comes to fight for me. Heaven, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is fighting for you right now in your relationships with everything inside of me. You know what's inside of me? There is a lot of, yuck, God's still working on. But you know what's inside of me? The Holy Spirit. You know why? Because Jesus met me in my darkest hour and he said, this one's mine. I bought you. So what's inside of me is the Holy Spirit. I will watch the darkness flee. That's what I'm claiming for our families tonight. I am claiming that for our church, and I am claiming that for this city block, and I am claiming that for this city. The darkness will flee when the Jesus of Jesus Christ is living in us and through us. So tonight, when we go into communion, and and Anya's gonna start singing this song, and we're gonna sing this song together, Don't just sing it like, ooh, that's good. Anya's got a great voice. She does. Let it be your prayer. Let it be your anthem. Let it be your heart's cry out. I will raise a hallelujah. I will raise a hallelujah. Because I am the daughter and son of a mighty, mighty king who wants this, this holy ground for him. Dear only Father, we just come to you and we we just offer confession. We want to confess right now of the stuff that we have said sideways, that we have been wildfires that have come to seek and destroy. Not that we intended it that way, but that's the way the enemy uses it. Lord, right now, we offer confession. We ask forgiveness for that. We don't want to be that. We want to be a church. We want to be believers of Jesus that say we're going to raise a hallelujah even in the presence of our enemy. We're going to go to you first and not go sideways because we want our life to reflect the hope and love of Jesus. In your son's name I pray, amen.